Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, church. If we didn't put you in a Christmas spirit now, I quit. I quit. So uh, we're delighted that you're here with us today. And if you're here for the first time, uh, we invite you to make this your church home. You will never be more loved and affirmed than you will in this church. And I would like to say that to you. And we'll speak to each one of you on the way out. So I hope you have a chance to do that. Today's sermon is different from what you might normally hear on a Christmas day. Today, the title of my sermon is Christmas is a Time of Conflict, Good Versus Evil. And make no mistake about it, that's exactly what happened on Christmas Day. Now, Christmas has always been a time of conflict from the very beginning. Uh, This is a harsh truth that many people just do not want to hear. They want to focus on the Christmas trees, on the lights, and the exchange of presents and carols under a beautifully lit tree. uh, And they think such beautiful thoughts. However, the first Christmas was nothing like that at all. Nothing like that at all. Uh, The forces of evil did everything in their power to stop the first Christmas and to see that Christ would die. Uh, The book of Revelation includes a startling passage uh, that depicts a pregnant woman who was pursued by a powerful dragon who seeks her death. Well, of course, that dragon is Satan. Uh, And as she prepares to give birth to the child, the dragon hovers over her, wanting her to destroy the baby. Take a look at Revelation chapter 12, verses 3 to 5, and you can follow it up on the board. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads in heaven, uh, and, and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. And by the way, the third of the stars flung out of the skies were the angels that joined in revolt with Lucifer. One third of the angels joined in revolt and they were thrown to earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will, quote, rule all the nations with an iron scepter. That was a prophecy. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. This is the Christmas story from a heavenly perspective. This is exactly what was going on at the manger. Now, the the woman in that picture is the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel. And the child is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The dragon is Satan, who would be totally committed to destroying Israel uh, and destroying the work of Christ in every possible way. That is the reason, the very reason, that God sent Jesus into this world. Satan opposed it then on Christmas Eve. He opposes it today, and for 2,100 years, he continues to wage the battle. And you are a part of that battle. Satan wanted to stop Christ at all costs. Now, God had orchestrated all of the biblical prophecies so that they would come together at this pivotal time with Christ coming into the world. Even the very tools of evil, you see, uh, would be manipulated so that the prophecies would come to pass. 
Take a look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their hometown to register. Now understand why this is important. You had to go to your hometown. Joseph and Mary lived in Nazareth. Well, the prophecy said the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Well, how does that come about? Well, God makes it come about. And so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged uh, to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. What is left unsaid here is that if there were no Roman census, then Mary and Joseph would have remained in Nazareth. And the biblical prophecy of the birth of the Messiah in Bethlehem would not take place. But trust me, God would never let that work. Uh, and this is how God works. The Roman census forcing the entire nation, you see, to go back to their home regions would force Joseph to return to Bethlehem. Even the pagans can serve God. Uh, and this is important as you understand this. God was at work fine-tuning the Bible. Uh, and by this timing, Joseph and Mary arrive in Bethlehem uh, to find the infill in full and had to move into the stable. Now, this becomes an important understanding for you because this is a symbolic statement regarding the child, that this world, under the full control of Satan, would have no room for Jesus. No room. And so the battle of the ages begins. Good versus evil. Light versus darkness. Uh, and it would begin. And so you know that when the angels came to the shepherds, they said, peace on earth and, and uh, to men of goodwill. Peace on earth to men of goodwill. Well, you know that you hear people in the world say, what kind of religion do you have? They were promised peace on earth. There's never been peace on earth. But read the verse carefully. To men of goodwill, meaning to men who have given their heart to Christ. Because if you've given your heart to Christ, then you will have peace forever in your heart. And that's important to understand that. He brought peace into the heart of the believers. Now, for those who mistakenly think that the Lord intended to bring peace into the entire world, I commend you to Luke chapter 12, verse 51 on the board. And these are the words of Jesus. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, um, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Uh, focus on what this means. Uh, and what it means is there is a significant dividing line between Christians and non-Christians. We do not have peace with those that have not given their heart to Jesus Christ. And Simeon spoke of this very issue when Jesus was presented at the temple as a baby. He said there, his birth would mean the rising 
and fall of many in Israel. How about that? The birth of Christ would be the rising and fall of many in Israel. Now, this is an important and critical uh, Christmas message that emphasizes that conflict that begins at Christmas, a sharp division between the light and darkness and good and evil. This is the Christmas story that is often not told. What we see in the first century church at the very beginning of Christianity would be played out for the next 2,100 years. Satan would attack. He would attack the name of the Lord. He would attack every vestige of Christianity. Uh, and, and he would attack the very celebration of Christmas. And you see that, where the schools have been attacked, where, they, where we no longer can sing Christmas carols. And that's Satan's work, effectively destroying the work of Christ in schools. And it's a battle of good versus evil. Uh, and Jesus battles against the prince of the world. And that's the call that you have for Christ. <clears throat> Think about this even today. Uh, as many attempts to, are made to repudiate the celebrations of Christmas, the display of mangers, uh, the religious references in public school time and time and time again. Think of all the efforts that Satan has made to stop the religious references, uh, to stop the celebration of Christmas. Uh, and it begins anew again every single Christmas. Now, it is critical to remember that red is the principal color of Christmas. I wore this jacket because I wanted to make you remember that. I pull this jacket out one time a year. It's the only time I can wear it. All right? <laughs> Somebody said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I heard that. Uh, <laughs> but think about that. Think about that. Red is the color of the blood of Christ. Uh, it's poured out for us in payment of our sins. That's what Christmas is about. Make no mistake about it. Don't be deluded by just thinking about the baby in the manger and the angels. He would give his life for us so that we would have life eternal. Uh, and that's what took place. The blood of Christ, you see, reminds us of Satan's furious attempt to prevent the birth and later to maneuver his death through the hands of the Romans. <clears throat> now, at the very first Christmas... <clears throat> Satan had an important ally, and he always does. There's always an ally for Satan at every time when he moves to do the work of evil. Here, it was Herod, uh, the puppet king of Israel, uh, who was reigning during the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. This was a man addicted to power and known for his heartless cruelty. He was the perfect partner for Satan. We know that he murdered his brother-in-law, his mother-in-law, two of his own sons, and his favorite wife. He had several. Uh, he murdered to stay in power. He becomes a central figure, you see, of the evil that comes into focus in the first Christmas. Now, the, st the story comes tightly into focus during the Christmas story when the wise men come into Jerusalem. And look, if you would, to Matthew chapter 2, uh, verse 1 to 8. <clears throat> On the board. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And I want you to recognize 
that they came out of what is present-day Iraq, and they traveled about 800 miles. 800 miles through the desert, all right? It probably took about three months. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. What does it mean, all Jerusalem with him? It means all of the religious elite, all of those people who had put in with Herod. Yes, they were disturbed because they saw everything that they had advanced for was now in danger. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And I love this verse. Uh, and they say, and this is incredible, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, that's verse 5, for this is what the prophet has written, and they cite it. But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now let's understand something. Where is he going to be born? In Bethlehem. Where is Bethlehem? That's about seven miles down the road. Go down the road and turn right. Would they go themselves? No. No, they wouldn't go themselves because they had no interest in seeing a Messiah. All right? They were looking for a political leader. They weren't looking for a baby. And so Herod then says, uh, uh, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. Search carefully. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. That was an absolute lie. He had no interest in worshiping the baby. He had every interest in murdering him. Uh, and so what you see here is that the wise men had studied under the school of Daniel for hundreds of years in Iraq uh, as the Jewish boys were taken uh, out of Jerusalem and brought into Babylon. And so here they were, they had studied, and they'd seen, they knew the prophecies of Daniel. They understood, uh, they understood the timing, they understood the stars. And so when they saw this magnificent star, they knew something big was coming. And so they leave, and they come, and they go uh, to Jerusalem. These wise men, you see, were essentially astrologers who studied the heavens and advised the kings and rulers. They were influential and powerful. The question that they posed to Herod must have struck home. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? They were not talking about Herod. What a potential threat to his throne. He had to do something. Obviously, here was another person to kill. And this is how satanically inspired people act. Uh, and so what you see here, the first people that Herod reaches out to are the clergy the religious elite, and they immediately know, oh, yeah, it's in Bethlehem. Can you imagine? We know it's in Bethlehem. But what you see here is they wouldn't go to Bethlehem. They would not go. And what, This is an important lesson to you. What it means is that mere knowledge of the scriptures is insufficient to come to salvation. You can know the Bible inside and out, but unless you submit to the will of God, you're not going to be saved. And you see that here. Uh, with these religious leaders. And so there's several interesting points that need to be made here. Uh, first, God spoke to the pagans in such a way that they understood that the Messiah was being born. He came to them in a way that they could understand, and they did so traveling 800 miles. Can you imagine? 
800 miles. At the same time, the religious elites and priests knew immediately where to look to find the answer about the Messiah, yet they had no interest whatsoever to go and find out for themselves. What a lesson this is for us, that you may know the truth, that you may know the Bible, that you may know the scriptures, yet you don't have the reality of it in your heart. Uh, and that's what God wants. He wants the reality. Yes, it's only seven miles from Jerusalem, but that could be a million miles for you. And so they weren't interested in a baby. Uh, and can we find ourselves unwittingly in the same kind of people? Do we not come and worship the Lord even when we do not really submit to him? Do we come to services like this because we enjoy the music? We enjoy the spirit. We even enjoy the, the sermon. And yet, have we fully given God our hearts? Can you say that, honestly, that you've done that, that you're here and you've given God your heart? And so what you see here is this is what happens in spiritual warfare. This is what Satan wants from you. The other lesson here is that God reaches out to people in many different ways so that they can understand the message. As the Lord told Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Here's the answer. Did you seek me with all your heart? Because if you sought me with all your heart, you, wouldn't turn, you would in turn come to understand who I am. This is the resonating truth, you see, of the wise men and the 800-mile journey. It's so poignant to me. Now, God also spoke to the wise men after they presented the gifts to Christ. Uh, and you know those gifts that they gave, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, and they, in a vision, they were told, do not go back to Jerusalem, go around Jerusalem, because God knew that Herod wanted to kill uh, Christ. Uh, and so, of course, when they didn't go back, Herod was furious when he found out about that. And this is where the butcher of Bethlehem got his nickname. And he gave the order that all baby boys, two years old or under, living in the vicinity of Bethlehem, should be put to death. Well, I'm sure those babies are with Jesus right now, uh, as terrible as that is. And Jesus understood the prophecies and the nature of his mission to the world. He came to this world to die as the innocent and perfect sacrifice once and for all. Every day he lived would be another day of conflict, as Satan would attack him uh, every single day and try to defeat him from the very first time that he started his ministry. It would be men and women of faith, you see, who would ultimately join him with Christ in this battle against evil. And this is where we are today, as saved beings joined forever in the body of Christ. This is what God has called us to do. And so the message at the first Christmas of the birth of the Messiah goes to the lowly shepherds uh, because the political and religious leaders in Jerusalem were not men of faith. Do you ever wonder why the angels didn't go into Jerusalem and give the message to those in Jerusalem? Because they weren't interested in Christ. They weren't interested in a Messiah. But the lowly shepherds, the very bottom rung of society, they were interested and would come to faith. Uh, and so with the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, the spiritual war entered into a new phase. In essence, the conflict would rage through three historic phases. First came the prophetic phase uh, from Adam to Christ. 
The goal of Satan during this phase was primarily aimed at the nation of Israel, the chosen vehicle for being the Messiah into this world. Uh, If only Israel could be destroyed, the prophecies could not be fulfilled, and that's what Satan had in mind. The second phase began with the birth of Christ. Now all efforts were directed at destroying him and compromising him. God protected him during this time. He killed all the male babies in, in every possible way, but because the Magi brought those gifts, the family was able to go into Egypt and protect themselves. And so Jesus experienced throughout his entire life uh, the ongoing assault on obedience and submission to God. The final stage is a continuing battle that goes on today, and that is Satan wages a daily war against the followers of Christ. Most importantly, we must remember that this is, this is at Christmas time. We have a Savior in the city of David who is Christ the Lord, uh, and Jesus made this perfectly clear. Whoever cherishes my words and keeps them will never experience my death. And so what an amazing position this is as we see Christ stepping up for us in a powerful way. Uh, And this message needs to resonate with us today. Excuse me. If you've never accepted Christ before as your personal Savior, I ask you to do it today. I ask you to bow and give him your heart. Say, Lord, I accept you as my, my child. Come with me, Lord. Be with me in every way. Let's bow in prayer. Jesus, be with us and call us to your will in every way. In Jesus' name, we ask these things.